All right, I'm back. What's up? It's been a long time. I haven't seen you guys. Hey, this is my first time being here at the Trent Campus and online for this series in our series called Fam 30, Family 30. So welcome. I'm series. This is part four, our kind of our final week in Family 30, where we really do believe that you can begin to experience your best family. The atmosphere, the overall direction, mood, and your family can change immediately. You can do this. We can help. Listen, we're all part of a family. No matter what it looks like, maybe you're not involved with your family on a daily basis anymore, but the principles and things that we've been talking about this series apply to every single one of us. I don't know, uh, I've been, every time I see that, that bumper, I, I started laughing because I remember those pictures. It just reminds me when my kids were younger. Then anybody, you know, your kids, after they bath time, remember that they have time, like they, you don't, they wanted to run around the house naked. That's all they wanted to do, right? They loved it. And as a parent, I'm like, should I be okay with this? Like, is it cool if they run around the house naked? Is this bad? Is this good? Like, is this a decision I ever thought I'd, have to have to, I'd ever have to think about? You know, before this moment, when you have kids, everything changes. Like, it's the weirdest thing. Like, you have to think about things you never thought you would have had to think about. And you have to answer questions that you never thought you would ever think of. Like, no, you can't run around the house naked when everybody's here. Or, yes, you can. Like, that's a weird statement that you never thought you'd have to make. Parenting is difficult. Families are difficult, and oftentimes we think we're a failure. And we see all the bad things and not the good things, and we lose hope. We want you to have hope, no matter what family you come from, what kind of family, what your family looks like right now. We want you to know that there is hope. In the beginning of this series, we learned that God loves families. Not only is he, he created families, He created marriage, He created families, and He's got the best plan for your family. He truly has the best plan for your family, and the Bible is like our user manual for marriage, for family. We talked about subtraction, like the junk in the junk we got to get rid of in our families, the bad habits that we've had, especially selfishness and how to get rid of that in our families. And then we talked about addition. Got to get rid of stuff and make space because the truth is we have crammed our lives, crammed our calendar full of stuff, meaningless stuff, stuff that actually won't make a difference 18 years from now. But our calendars are so full that when we do find something that's really important, space or the time to implement it. And so we don't. We learn the four principles, the four kind of bedrocks, the, the rocks you got to put into your calendar first. You got to learn together, pray together, play together, and serve together. If you missed any of those messages, I'm telling you, you got to go back and check them out. Listen to them because each one of them builds upon the other. And today we're going to build upon all of them. So go back online or watch them again, listen to the podcast. And then today we're going to focus on kind of a, a subset Extended, blended, and mended families. Uh, blended and mended usually involves some kind of pain. Extended usually is pretty exciting, you know, happy, positive, grandparents, things like that. Um, I want to let you know about some of the resources, if you didn't know already. Remind you that we have during this series. There's a website called southpointccc.com fam30. Make sure you check that out, bookmark it. Uh, we have online seminars that we've been doing every Wednesday. Every Wednesday we've done online seminars with topics that uh, every family deals with, technology, conversations. Last week was anxiety and stress. This week, Wednesday, 6 we're going to be focusing on uh, discipleship at home. So you can sign up on that website. You can also find the recordings of the previous ones so that you can go back and watch either again or for the first time. We love families. God loves family. We love your family. We want you to know there's hope. You can do this and we can help. So today, again, we're focusing on blended, mended, and extended. And I want you to know on the scenarios or topics, 
could be its own message. So today, it's really going to be more of a launching pad for each one of you so that you can kind of take these nuggets, these principles, and begin to apply them. And I pray that God uses this to help you in your situation. And also, again, it reminds you to go back and watch all the other messages because this builds on the other principles that we've talked about in the previous three weeks. In the very beginning, the original design from God was a man and a woman would leave and cleave. Leave their family, cleave to one another till death did them part. But we see in Scripture very quickly, dysfunction began, right? There was a lot of families that began to be blended because of death in Scripture in the Old Testament. But we also see a lot of families who were blended because of polygamy, multiple wives. And so there was lots of awkward situations that were not a part of God's plan in Scripture. So what does that mean? What does that mean for those families and what does that mean for your family? Does that mean your family is doomed if we missed the original plan in the beginning? No. That's not what we believe. That's not what Scripture teaches. There is hope. There is hope for you no matter whatever situation you find yourself in today. That's why our big idea is this. God can make what we call useless beautiful. God can make what we call useless beautiful. It's funny. We only have words to describe things. And oftentimes we just, the words that I have to describe the situation that I'm in make me feel like a loser. Make me feel like it's, it's over, gone. There's no hope. There's things like useless, destroyed. But there's hope. And there's an interesting blended family that sometimes often gets mis- overlooked. We forget about this blended family in Scripture. And I want to read you the beginning of how this family came to be. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke... He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate the marriage until he, she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. They were a blended family. I mean, Joseph called Jesus son and Jesus called Joseph dad, but technically it was stepdad, stepson. Interesting. Joseph could have said no. I mean, could have said no, that's not my kid. But once he heard God's plan... Notice he didn't even argue with God. He trusted his plan. Think about it. Joseph sacrificed a lot. He probably, that was probably not how he envisioned his future family coming to be. He probably wanted to name his child, firstborn, after his family, you know, his family name. Think about his reputation. Oh, yeah, it's God's kid. Sure, Joseph, right? His reputation was a part of this as well. He sacrificed a lot. But he trusted God's plan and followed him. Which, that's what we need to answer the same question. Like, who are we going to trust? What we're saying is this. If you trust God's plan, there's hope. If you trust God's plan, he's got something for you. And not something useless, but something beautiful. 
So don't think that every day in Jesus' life and household was like rainbows and sunshine and ponies or whatever is good to you, whatever you put in that kind of illustration. It wasn't always good. John gives us a kind of an insight into their home. John 7, 5, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. Now, some of you are thinking like, listen, Mark, if I, had, if I, get, if I get visited by an angel, <laughs> if I get a dream and a voice from God, okay, then I'm good to listen to God. But where's my angel? <laughs> he hasn't sent me an angel yet. He's not speaking to me. It's like, well, that's not really true. He has spoken to you, and he continues to speak to you because you have his word, the Bible. And he's did a lot so that you can have that. He speaks to us right now, and he has a plan for you. So in, in this family, think about the awkward moments because his brothers didn't believe him at first. Hey, Dad, that's not my brother. Why do I have to treat him like that? That's not your son, Dad. You don't have to give him that. I mean, do you ever think that maybe the kids got a little jealous about Mary's maybe... Maybe she had a special kid, you know, the savior of the world and all <laughs> in their home. Like maybe she liked Jesus more, they at least thought that. There would have been awkward moments, tension in the home, in a blended home, just like a lot of our families. What we do know is this, that later in life, at least James and Jude for sure, they became leaders in the early church. James wrote the letter of James in the New Testament. Jude wrote the letter of Jude in the New Testament. What we believe, what we understand from history is that it sounds like the rest of the family actually began to believe as well. There's hope. I want to say this. There's hope. No matter what situation you find yourself in, there's hope with God. Do you believe that? I want you to believe up front there is hope for your family. There's hope for your situation no matter where you are with God. He's got a plan for you. He cares about you. For blended families, that's what I want to start with. Most of us, uh, most of you probably aren't blended because of a visit from an angel, right? <laughs> Some of you might be from a foster care. If that's you, man, bless you. Thank you. Um, but for the most of us, it's either death and remarriage or divorce and remarriage. That's usually how it's blended. And so in blended families, uh, listen, uh, everything that we said the last three weeks, again, I'm just reiterating this, is it builds upon the, last, the principles that we talked about the last three weeks. So make sure you go back and watch them. But today, kind of focus just two little nuggets that blended families seem to struggle with a lot, kids and finances. I mean, every family struggles with that, but in particular with blended families because usually you get step-family, step-kids, and alimony payments, right? Kids and finances are usually something that brings disunity uh, in, family, in blended families. So what do, we do with, what do we do with blended families? I want to give you an example from Scripture, Genesis 37, of how things can go south. Now Israel, father, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him, both the son and the dad. I want you to understand something. This is a blended family. If you grew up in the church, maybe kids' classes or something like that, the coat of many colors. This is Joseph and that whole scenario. The father here picked a favorite child. And it was, it was known. Listen, parents, sometimes we do this. He kind of have a favorite child, and the kids know it. A lot of times it's just, it's not really your favorite. You just sometimes you treat them nicely because that kid seems to be easier to deal with than the other ones right now. But sometimes we do, and especially in blended families. I've heard this so many times. Hey, you discipline your kids and I'll discipline mine. Hey, don't discipline my kids like that. That's not unity. That's disunity. I remember my family, you know, my, my parents were divorced and um, it wasn't a pretty one. But my mom never said a mean word about my dad to me in front of me, never. And I know she probably thought it. There were awkward, difficult times. She chose to trust God, honor God, by honoring my father. 
hurt to my life, not bringing me into between whatever happened between my mom and my dad. What I want to tell you is this, parents. You have the opportunity to bring unity or disunity into your homes. You can't blame your former spouse. You can't blame your former kids or your kids. You can't blame anything else. The only person that chooses to say the words that come out of my mouth and make the actions that I do is me. You have the ability to bring unity within your home. You also have the ability to tear it apart. When we do things like picking favorites, not, you know, like step parents, sometimes you want to treat the other, you know, wife or your husband's kids a little better right now just so they'll like you. You see, it's fun in movies, right? But that's not good. That's not unity. That's disunity. That's exasperating because kids don't know what matters. It's confusing. And exasperation is one of the things that God told us explicitly to get rid of in our families. It's confusing when, well, do I have to do this or not? Is dad going to treat me? Is he going to treat me nice this time or is she going to treat me? There's no, you've got to get on the same page, parents. And listen, I get it. I was a parent. I had no clue what to do when we started having kids. I mean, this is fun and all, but I don't know a decision to make. And if we begin to think that, ah, my parents parented me, I'll be fine. Why would you ever do that with your kids? I mean, I used to do that too. We wouldn't do that with anything else in our lives. I've got this $50 car. Ah, we'll figure it out. I've got this career. Ah, we'll figure it out. Why would we do that with our kids? You've got to be on the same page when it comes to discipline. You've got to be on the same page when it comes to the way that you treat your kids, blended families in particular, because you've got different issues that you're going to deal with. You need to get help probably outside just the two of you because you probably won't figure it out on your own. So get help outside of the two of you. Get some books, some great Christian books that talk about this. Here's one, Blending Families by the Book. It's on Amazon. You can get it. It's a great book. I've gone through it with some other families before. There's other books as well. We do parenting kind of classes every one, about two or three times a year. The material is online. You can get it at growingfamilies.life, Growing Kids God's Way. It's a great program. It's to help understand how to take biblical principles and begin parent kids in a healthy way with biblical principles. We've got to get on the same page. Because if you're not on the same page, it's not unity in your homes, and it always leads to anger. It always leads to anger. And it always leads to not appropriately discipline. You're going to manipulate and you're going to scheme instead of trust what you know you need to do. And when you do that, it never, nobody wins. Listen to the wisdom from Proverbs 19, 18. Discipline your children, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to their demise. When you don't discipline appropriately, you actually aren't helping anybody. You're helping their demise. They need parents that are unified. Absolutely essential. What about finances? Honestly, the same thing. You've got to be on the same page when it comes to your finances as well. Listen, I'm not trying to pretend to be a financial expert. I'm not saying that in every single situation ever, a joint bank account is the right thing. All I'm saying is this. In too many families, you have two different incomes and two different accounts. And that leads to, okay, you pay these bills, I pay these bills. And it doesn't lead to unity. It's actually working around unity. And it's a lack of trust that you're beginning to experience. And so instead of trusting one another... I'm going to tell you what you can control, and I'm going to decide what I get to control, and we call that unity. But that oftentimes is not unity. It's working around one another. And sometimes you would say, well, Mark, I've got to be wise. I've got to protect my kids and my finances finances because he doesn't make good financial decisions. Well, that probably was a good conversation to have before you chose to remarry. 
But now that you are married, this is something you have to work together on. You have to work out together. You can't work around one another. You have to work towards unity. And again, I'm telling you, you got to get on the same page when it comes to these things. And you don't know how to answer all of it yourself, so get help outside of the two of you. It's okay. It's not defeat. It's the wisest thing in the world to say, we don't know what to do. We've got some financial counselors here in the church. Dave Ramsey-type courses online. Get help so that you can learn how to be on the same page when it comes to your finances, budgeting, and decisions. You see, too often families act like they did before they were remarried. Because you were all by yourself, taking care of your kids. You had to do it. It was all was on you. And so now you get in this situation and you know that this other person could never love your kids as much as you love your kids. Because you've spent your entire life with these kids. And so when the other person doesn't make decisions the way that you make decisions, then oftentimes you see those decisions as lack of care. And it creates disunity. A lack of trust. And you can't have a healthy family when there's a lack of trust. And you can't blame others. Sometimes the best course of action is to not remarry. 1 Corinthians 7, 8, 9. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. It's not very sentimental or romantic, right? It's just like to the point here. Sometimes, I know we've heard it, sometimes you're lonely. You're in a bad position financially. You wish you had a a dad or a mom in your kids' lives. I get it. But sometimes maybe those decisions aren't the best reasons to get remarried. Maybe the best decision sometimes is to stay single. Maybe not what you want to hear, but might be the best course of action sometimes. Not saying you can't remarry, just saying that it's important because God doesn't have a different set of principles for blended families than other families. He has principles for families. And you have to implement them to trust him no matter what your family is. So before you make the decision this time, make sure you know what God's plan is for families. Make sure you get wise biblical counseling you make that decision. Because the situations, the things that we're talking about with kids and finances, these are not reasons for divorce. These are not reasons to to say no if you're remarried already. These are things you're going to have to work out. So know that you need to have these conversations before you make the decision to get remarried. So that you can make a wise decision. Because oftentimes we just bring the baggage and the hurt from our former relationships into the new one. Oftentimes we say the grass is greener, right? I just need to find the right person. When I find a better person that will love me that way, that will treat me better, then things will be better. And I'm not saying that your former person is someone, I don't know anything about that. What I'm saying is this, the stats don't bear that out. The divorce rate's always fluctuated between 40 to 50%. Second marriages, it's over 60%. Third marriages, it's over 70%. So the truth is, possibly the wisest thing to do in a situation not to ask for a better person, but to ask God to make me a better person in the situation or the relationship that I find myself in, which is a tough one to ask. Marriage, because God values marriage. We're for marriage. We're pro-marriage. We want to work to help marriage 
That's why if you get married here, you've got to be Christian, you've got to be a member, and you've got to get pre-marriage counseling. We do what we can do. And we try to help families that are struggling, even when there's no hope. We try to help them. So refer them to counselors. We're against frivolous divorce. Scripture gives reasons, a few reasons, where the spouse is not bound in the marriage. For sexual unfaithfulness, infidelity, when, the, when a spouse just abandons and leaves, or abandons from neglect and abuse over a period of time where they won't change, or death. And in those situations, we give freedom for the spouse not be bound. However, in all the other situations, we encourage and work towards reconciliation. Because that's what God does. It's what his plan is. We want to learn, learn and teach how to trust God's plan in whatever situation we're in. For mended families, mended families, talking about dysfunctional families, widows, orphans, some of you have lost someone or just in extreme pain right now. Mended families are mending from something. Something has caused pain and you are mending. For mended families, I want you to hear this right up front. God loves you. God's got your back. Listen to this in Psalm 68.5. A father to the fatherless of widows is God in his holy dwelling. A father to the fatherless. You feel like you're, he doesn't know you. He's left you and abandoned you. He hasn't. He's got your back. He knows you. He says this to the rest of us in James 127. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows and their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Listen, it's easy to take care of the people that are easy to take care of. It's easy to take care of the people that are, you know, we all know about. But what about those who are forgotten? Those who are vulnerable. And widows and orphans are often some of the most vulnerable people. And sometimes we say, well, hey, if you, if you need help, let me know. But that can be a help, let me know. But the truth is, you know that they need help. It's obvious. Their entire life has been upside down. It's like you can not just reach out and say, if you need help, you can just help on a consistent, regular basis. God says, listen, don't just take care of those that are easy and comfortable. Go after those who truly are in need and are less fortunate and forgotten. Make sure that they know God loves them and that they're welcome here at South Point Church. Like, we love them. It's our responsibility to love not just the easy people, but to love those who are truly in need, to go, be proactive about it. I heard so many stories about families that are unwilling to take care of people in their own family. And in Christian homes, that should never be the case. Listen, 1 Timothy 5, 4 and 8. If a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. The expectation is on the family to provide for those in need in your family. Not if you deem them worthy, not if it's comfortable, not if they make it easy for you. It's our responsibility to take care of those in our family. Sometimes we need to get outside of help, and that's okay, because we might not be able to provide everything that they need. But families, it's on us to take care of our families. And if they don't have a family to take care of them, then the church, it's on us to take care of them, to help. That's why we have things like a care fund. 
that we can help with needs. That's where we have special projects and things like our widows and widowers. That's where we partner with organizations like Go Impact 360 and things like Go Serve, where we just got through raking over 100 yards for people that were in need in Down River, most of them elderly. It's a sad but true story. One of our teams went out this year to a home. They had contacted her a few weeks before. They went to her home. They were raking the leaves. And the neighbor came out to just speak to the group that was there, the leader, and say, hey, listen, I just want you to know, we really appreciate what you're doing. And the lady who lives here passed away last week. Like, there is real need in the community around us. But there's so much need right down the street from you and people in lives that you know. Why aren't we going and doing what we know we can do? That's why we partner with organizations like Bethany Christian Services to provide for foster kids and families to make sure that we're backing up what God says. We're going to take care of those kids that don't have fathers in their lives right now. That's why we partner with local pregnancy, crisis pregnancy centers like the one in Lincoln Park and Allen Park. There are organizations that are taking care of people who are in some of the most vulnerable positions, situations ever. Be proactive and not just, ah, we'll let someone else take care of that. That's why we partner with like Go Impact again and we support two orphanages in Romania through Go Impact 360, Bethel Home and Home of Hope. Kids all all across the world are without families and support. Church, it's our responsibility to do what we can do. We can't do for everyone, but we can do for who we can do for. Are you? Are we? It's our responsibility. Single parents. Single parents. Hagar in the Old Testament found herself to be a a single parent, very unexpectedly. She found herself in a very dire, desperate situation, feeling like she was alone. And here's what she found, Genesis 16, 13. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. Do you feel alone? Probably wondering sometimes, if you, how are you going to figure this out? How are you going to make it through this? How are you going to survive? How are your kids going to be after this? I just want you to know God sees you. And he doesn't see you differently. He sees you just like he sees every other parent and every other kid. He sees you and he sees your kid. He loves you. He knows what you need. And he still has a plan for you. We trust him. Even in this situation, you'll find that he is a God who sees you. That's why, again, we have a care fund where we can help support those that are in need, genuine need. While we have scholarships for some of our programs and events, and you can't afford it so we can help. Small groups, church people. Like, do you reach out to single parents that you know of and offer help? Whether it's finances, whether it's just helping with childcare or helping around the house, you can offer help. You know they need help. Be proactive instead of just waiting for everybody to come to us. Offer help. That's on us. God's got a plan for every single one of our families. Again, Psalms 27. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. That's what it comes down to. In every single situation we find ourselves in, whom are we going to trust in? Trust in education, trust in the way your parents did it, trust in your knowledge, your information, trust in your finances, trust in your career, or are you going to trust in God? And all we're saying is this. The greatest thing you can trust is God. God's the only one that will never let you down. God's the only one that has a perfect plan for you. God's the only one that has a plan that works in every single one of your situations. Will you trust God? Extended families. 
grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, all the whole gang, man. Family reunion, this is who we're talking about. And the scripture talks a lot about extended family because most families in the Bible were extended families. Listen, it's not time for you to take a break when your family gets larger and it's not your kids, but it's those kids and their kids. It's your time to still be a part of your family and bless them and help them and be a part of it. Listen, you can either help or hurt even if you don't live in the same home. Take responsibility for our part. It's not just grandparents, it's the extended family. But grandparents, you do have a special part to play. Grandparents, it's so important for kids to have healthy, loving grandparents. It's such a blessing. It's so few and far between nowadays. Be involved in your life. Don't take this as your time to be your time. Listen, you can be involved in their life. Make sure that you get the family together because sometimes parents are young and they get their calendar busy and they forget to get the whole family together. Get the family together. Do what you can do. And the cool thing is you don't have to take them home with you, right? I mean, that's the nice thing. You can love them, but you don't have to. You can say goodbye at the end of the day. But offer help. Cousins, brothers, sisters, that would be financial. It could be help around the house. It could be child care. There's so many ways that you can help your family. to be a fa- If you're an older person in the family, you've had more life experience, then be around so that when all of these little crises, however we say that plural, happen in their lives, give wisdom and counsel. Speak into their faith. Live such lives that you can have the opportunity into their faith and their morals, that they would want to listen to you. Listen, you can give them a cookie before dinner. And not get in trouble. What are you going to do, parents? Nothing, because I'm the grandparent now. And I'm a grandpa now, so I can do that. And it's awesome. I used to hate it back then. But now you can share and let the kids experience irrational, ridiculous, unconditional love. They need to see that perspective. They need that, that unconditional, irrational love that you can provide. Don't bail out on them. Family, stick around because you can show God's love in some of the most difficult situations to let those kids know that God's got their back. And they got people they can go to. Have you ever heard of Kintsugi art? I hadn't until a few months ago. Kintsugi art. It's like a Japanese form of art. So basically, normally when something breaks, you want to get rid of it or you want to fix it in such a way that you don't notice the brokenness, right? Well, Kintsugi art is a different philosophy and it takes broken pieces of pottery, whatever, and it uses like this kind of resin and they mix like gold dust or silver or platinum or um, bronze, copper, something like that. And then when they repair it, they actually accentuate the broken spots with gold or this precious metal, and it becomes part of the aesthetics, part of the beauty of it. It becomes actually more valuable than before. Do you see the illustration? God can make kintsugi art with your family. We want to pretend like we're not broken, to get rid of it, to live such lives that we will never be broken, and we will fix everything, and we'll know everything, but that's just not real. You're never going to do that. God doesn't say you'll never be broken. God doesn't say never mess up. God says, I can take your brokenness and make something beautiful out of it. I can make it better than you ever thought or dreamed it would ever have been. Do you believe that? It begins with trusting God and this big idea that God can make what we think is useless beautiful. But you got to trust him because you can't do this. But with God, it's more than possible. Next week, after Thanksgiving, we're going to talk about God's presence. 
the message. And then two weeks, we're going to start a Christmas series looking at Jesus' birth and life from four different perspectives. I really encourage you to make plans to be a part of it. Leading up to Christmas Eve, invite friends to be a part of it. It's going to be good. But I want to tell you one more promise today. It's Romans 8.28. It's one of the most powerful promises, but often sometimes the most misread <laughs> promise. It says this, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who who have been called according to his purpose. Keep that up on the screen, please. Let's go through this. In all things, yes, your situation, your broken family, your amended family, your extended family, your blended family, in your situation, in all things, in all things, he works for the good. He is not out to get you. He is to put you out of your misery. He is not out to condemn you. He is out to help you. He has a plan for you. He loves you. He wants to work to the good. Even when you've made mistakes, even in the situation you find yourself in, it was someone else that made decisions or you made decisions to put you in this place, he can work for the good and always works to the good for those called according to his purpose. If you have said yes to Jesus Christ, recognized your sin, repented, been baptized, placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is your promise. He works for your good. If it's not, if you've never said yes to Jesus, then right now, you're on your own. And I remember them days. I remember those days. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not big enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not wise enough. But God is. God can make kintsugi art in your family, in your life. Are you willing to trust him? I'm going to say a prayer, and during this prayer, I encourage you to maybe pray alongside of me. Maybe it's silently, maybe it's out loud. If you're online, here in person, man, you can pray. If you've said yes to Jesus, then you know that God is listening to your prayer. And if you're reaching out to God, even if you've never said yes to Jesus, he's listening. And he's working for the good in your life. Let's pray. God, thanks for loving us. Thank you for Jesus Christ that makes all the difference in the world and brings us hope. For all the families that are blended and mended and extended. And right now, I'm just specifically praying that in those situations, they begin to realize that, they, that you see them, that you care for them, that you have a plan for them, that you are working for the good, and that they can trust you. God, if there are families that are listening to this that are hurting, that are mending, but are also believers, that have already placed their faith in Jesus, and I pray that they would be reminded today turn back to you to trust you. If there are families that have never said yes to Jesus, then right now I'm praying that they begin to know once again that you see them and then they can trust you. And maybe today they can finally say, I want to give you the reins, God. Trust you in your plan. And we can begin to experience the family, our best family. And down river, will begin to experience how amazing you are, God, by doing that kintsugi art that you can do in our lives. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. Maybe that's you. If you've never said yes to Jesus, then for the first time today, you can say yes to Jesus. <laughs> to recognize that you have sinned, that you've fallen short, that you've made mistakes, and you can confess them to God, to repent, to say, I don't want to trust myself, I don't want to trust you, God. Be baptized. Text us, email us if you're online and or even on, here in person, you can text us, email us if you want to have a conversation with someone. Or in person, if you'd like to meet one of our friends out in the lobby in rooms A and B, we'd love to have a conversation with you. Whether it's to pray with you, help you take that next step in faith, 
baptized today, we want you to begin to know and experience this promise, this life that God has for you. Again, I encourage you to come back next week. Happy, happy Thanksgiving to everybody, no matter what it might look like in your families. Happy Thanksgiving. We do have a lot to be thankful for, the grace of God. Have an awesome week. Hope to see you back next week. Adios.